This okay. one's this one's easier. All right. Okay. How do you spell oh, no. <laughs> Hanukkah? No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so mean. Just I'll tell you. It does start C- with a C. H. Yep. Oh gosh. Okay. C H. Han. A. Yep. U. No. Han. N. C H A N. U. K A H. C K A H. Close enough, Connie. You got some guilt. That's the East Tennessee version of spelling Hanukkah. Hey, yum's the word. Haven't you heard? The yum's the word. It was started by a bird. My name is Robin. And her hair has lots of curls. Actually, I blow it out a lot. Two stories, some awkward. Like wedding the bed next to your boyfriend. Pretty funny and absurd. Like your boss tickling your side boob. So welcome all you nerds. And cool people too. This is for everyone. Except kids. Yum's the word. Happy holidays, everyone. Welcome to Yum's the Word. I am Robin Gelfenbein, and today I have a very special guest here with me. This is, introduce yourself. I'm Alex Fulton. And Alex, what do you do on the podcast? Well, I record the things with you. (laughs) Yes. And we make the puns. Yes, we do. And uh, yeah, we we produce the podcast together. We do. And you write some beautiful music to include with it. You know, I always forget about that. (laughs) Yeah, that's like such a huge contribution you make. Yes, puns are great, but that's huge. You make it sound so beautiful. Yeah, but the puns. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can see why Alex and I get along so well. We we have a great time together. It's It's a a wonderful life. So. <laughs> <laughs> so today is actually very exciting because we are recording our 10th episode 10th episode can you believe it i can't believe where's the champagne <laughs> um so at the top of today's episode you heard connie shulman and you may have recognized her voice because connie plays yoga jones on orange is the new black and alex would you agree that she is pretty much the same in person and on stage. There's a reason they cast her. Yeah. She's she's incredible. She was she was great. She's a lot of fun. Yeah, she's absolutely darling and so fun and cute and quirky and spunky. Um, so we're going to be featuring one of her stories uh, next year, but we want to give you a little taste of Connie today. And the other thing that's happening on today's episode is that Alex and I are going to be talking about something very special that we have in common. And then a little bit later in the episode, we're going to have some Yiddish from Jason Biggs. Now, Jason Biggs did our show the other night, and he was also really wonderful in person and so friendly and nice. A real mensch. Yes, he was for a non-Jew. For for a fellow non-Jew. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Alex is also our resident Gentile, who I defer to quite often during the live shows. So one of the things I love about Alex is his creativity, and today's episode, uh, let's just say, is very unconventional, don't you think? Every other holiday special is about togetherness and and uh, (laughs) and like you know the joy of the the season, joy of the season, and peace and love, (laughs) Christmas and incarceration. I am old Chris Clinkle, <laughs> the king of jingling. <laughs> jingle cells, jingle cells. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was thinking that. Silver cells, silver cells. Oh. All right, enough of the puns. But 
uh, fear not. Alex and I are going to be doing a lot more puns on future podcast episodes, right, Alex? That that sounds fantastic. <laughs> I feel like we could have like a little pun off going. So, if you think of any jail puns, hit us with them at Yum's Word Show. We would love to hear them, and uh, we'll be pontificating in 2016. <laughs> but for now, uh, our first storyteller is the author of one of my very favorite memoirs. It's called Burn Down the Ground. It is a New York Times bestseller. And this is one of the stories from that fantastic book. This is Cambry Cruz. Hello, everyone. Happy holidays. Uh, all right, so before I get into my story, I'm just going to give you guys a little quick piece of trivia. Um, yeah, in prison, <laughs> gum sells for a dollar a stick. That's pretty impressive, right? Okay, so on the list of items that my dad, uh, number 1133944, wanted me to smuggle into him in jail, gum seemed doable. He had also asked me for a needle and a $100 bill. No. So, yeah, gum it is. Okay. So, Dad's prison is in Huntsville, Texas, and it's a lot less scary than I expected. It actually looks just like a junior high, <laughs> except it's, like, wrapped up in uh, barbed wire. You know, they have an, uh, a warden instead of a principal. They have armed guards instead of hall monitors. But they have recess, which is fun. <laughs> And everyone there is so friendly, like in that weird t uh, stereotypical Texas friendly way, a little fel false way. Like, oh, it sure is a nice w uh, day for a visit, isn't it? Now you have fun with your daddy. <laughs> and there's one guard in particular who is straight out of central casting. He's pot-bellied, wears a 10-gallon hat, has a white handlebar mustache and cowboy boots. And he takes a look at my driver's license, and I, I kid you not, he goes, New York City, get a rope. <laughs> Did you just make a joke about hanging me at a prison famous for its record number of executions? I think you did. But... Thankfully, I am familiar with the Pace Picani ad campaign of the 80s and 90s, so I laugh. <laughs> you know, I'm a little nervous, and, oh, you're so funny. Uh, but, and he is. He's nice, and he's, he's slow. He's so slow. The dude is wearing fucking cowboy boots. Like, what would you do if somebody busted through the gate? Like, seriously, what would you do? Just, you're, you're not going to catch them. But I guess he figures that that somebody would never be a girl in high heels from New York City, and she most definitely would not be smuggling a jumbo pack of Wrigley's Juicy Fruit in the waistband of her slacks from Banana Republic. <laughs> not her, not me. No, I'm too nice. Oh. So when his metal detecting wand screeches exactly where I've got the gum hidden, I fucking, I, I'm like, oh, and he goes, oh, don't you worry, sugar. That's just your belt buckle. Okay. Not wearing a belt. <laughs> uh, juicy fruit is wrapped in foil. Not something I've considered. <laughs> and apparently not something he considered either because he's, he doesn't even like lift my shirt up. He's like, yeah, go on, have a good day. Say hi to your daddy for me. So I go inside and I wait for my dad to come into view. And uh, when he does, 
I'm, I'm shocked. I, I, I'm just, I'm heartbroken. You know, he, he's wearing prison whites, and you never want to see your dad wearing pri prison whites, of course. But he looks like he's in pain. He's hunched over. He can barely walk. Like, every single step that he's taking looks like it's causing him tremendous pain. He just, uh, just crunched over. I'm like, oh my God, what happened to him? Like, are they not taking care of him? What's going on in here? Um, but I don't want him to see any concern on my face. You know, it's the holidays, and we're, you know, we're having this visit, and so I smile, hi, hi, Daddy. And he, he's in so much pain that he doesn't even wave back. He just kind of does this, yeah, like, nods at me, and just is like, <clears throat> and I, my heart just falls. It just, I, I'm, I, I've left my dad alone in prison to rot. <sighs> And the tears well up in my eyes, and I feel like I'm the worst daughter in the world. And then Dad stands up straight, upright, and starts dancing a jig. <laughs> See what happens if you don't visit me more? I'm an old man. <laughs> and he starts strutting perfectly upright with his trademark Elvis strut. So yeah, uh, my dad, who's in jail, is deaf and a bit of a comedian, a little bit of a prankster. He got me, he, he got me. I was like, you jerk, oh, you know. No, we slap him, he slaps me, we hug, and we go outside into the prison visiting area, and we, we start chit-chatting, and, and a few minutes into the, the visit, I noticed that my dad has a new tattoo, a new tattoo. I'm like, Where, where'd you get that? He says, oh, this? Oh, a black boy in the textile mill gave it to me for my 60th birthday. Oh. Really? Interesting. Okay, it is a Tasmanian devil doing the I love you signs with his tongue sticking out. I'm like, oh, really? Good choice, 60-year-old man, birthday gift. But, oh, but hey, 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 speaking of gifts, it's Christmas. I've got a surprise for you. I'm like, I have gum. And he's like, Whoa. I'm like, oh, just chill out, just chill out, slow down, slow down. I'm like, all right. I look around, make sure the coast is clear. I'm like real sly about it, I'm like pulling it out. And he just rips it out of my hand, tears it open, and starts chomping on a piece of gum with his remaining front teeth, because uh, all his teeth have been knocked out from fights and uh, the excellent dental care that they provide in prison. Uh, so he looks like a cow chewing cud. He's just like, mm -hmm. And it only takes a couple of for the taste to overwhelm him. It just completely consumes his whole body. And he's just like, and he looks like a kid seeing fireworks for the first time. He puts his arms out and he, he closes his eyes and he looks like he's praising Jesus or something. He's like, long time. Ah, what an amazing moment to give my dad gum. Ah, oh, this is so sweet. And then suddenly, he starts shoving stick after stick of gum in these secret pockets that he's cut into his sneakers. I'm like, what, what, wait, what, what's happening? Just stick after stick of gum, and he's like, whoo, whoo, takes off his other shoe, and I'm like, oh, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? He says, I can sell these sticks for a dollar. <laughs> I'm 
like, oh, oh my God. Oh my God, gum is contraband. I knew that, because it be, can, can be used as glue. But I just thought, you know, oh, we're having a visit. He just wanted some gum. We're gonna chew some gum. Uh, it, that's why he had asked me for a jumbo pack specifically for a jumbo pack. He had pre-planned this, and I'm a fucking mule. I'm a mule. A gum, juicy fruit mule. So he does the same thing with the other sneaker, and he's not even being, uh, like, secretive about it. He's being very brazen, just stick after stick of gum. And so I look around to see if, like, oh, does anybody notice? Is anybody looking, you know? And that's when I notice this, this really beefy Hispanic guy sitting t at the table next to us. And he, uh, he looks really fucked up. He's got, like, half of his skull is missing. Uh, he's missing an eyeball. And he, his mouth is, like, drooped down, and he has to, like, mop up spit with a napkin. You know, like, he, he just he has no control over his saliva. And where his eyeball used to be is just like mashed up flesh. It looks like a, a sculptor had kind of given up on that part and they were like, I'm gonna work on this side. And like still got thumbprints in it and shit. And I was like, oh my God, what the fuck happened to this guy? So I asked my dad, you know, what's wrong with him? And my dad says, oh, oh him? Um, he, he killed his wife and his kids and then tried to kill himself, but it didn't work. Good man. <laughs> Quiet. Quiet, says the deaf man. <laughs> and good, ah, uh, good, you know, it's all relative. See, uh, dad is in prison for 20 years for attempted murder. Um, one of the, couple of the downsides of being deaf, you know, besides, you know, you can't hear your children's voices and you don't get to enjoy music, but you also don't hear the cops break in when you're stabbing somebody. So you get caught and you get 20 years. So I'm contemplating that. Oh, he's innocent. He didn't do it. Just ask him. <laughs> she was trying to kill herself. Uh, so, um, I'm contemplating just how weird this is, you know, like the, that don't judge lest ye be judged thing. I mean, like, uh, yeah, the, the murderer is a good man in my dad's eyes because if he's not, what, what does that say about dad? And I'm letting that sink in and that's when I hear this real loud, just thunderous shout, you! And I, of course, jolt, you know, I, I just, I hear it, but, but my dad doesn't hear it. He just sees me tense up and he's like, what's wrong? And I said, I don't know, somebody, somebody shouted. And I hear it again, you! And I look around and I see this man in a suit, cowboy hat, cowboy boots, tie, and he's pissed. And he's looking at us. And I recognize his picture from the wall. He's the warden. And he's pointing at me and he goes, you, come here now! And I'm like, oh, me? And he said, yes, you! But uh, he's talking to my dad, actually, and I, I'm so confused. I'm like, I start to pretend like I'm deaf, too. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> And I look over at the, the murderer the, the, with the missing eyeball, and he's like, I don't know. And so my dad, he gets up. He's like cool as a cucumber. He struts over, again, best Elvis strut. And the uh, warden screams at him without, he's like over-exaggerating his lip movements. He's like, what's in your mouth? And my dad opens up his mouth, shows him this chewed up wad of gum. And he says, where did you get that? And he's about to pop a vein. And the, my dad, without hesitation, just fucking rats me out. He's like, oh. 
like, he makes him spit out the gum because you're not supposed to have gum in junior high, kids. And uh, dad comes strutting back over and he sits down. Now, I'm shaking out of my skin. I am so terrified. I have never been in jail, ever. And I've never smuggled anything. And I didn't know he was going to have all these sticks of gum in his shoe. And I know he's got a strip search after the visit, so he's gonna get busted, and they know, they're gonna know it's me. I, I just like, I get me out of here, get me out of here, get me out of here. Just like, I, I gotta go. And so I'm, I'm shaking, I'm trying to calm myself down. So I grab my Dr. Pepper, but I'm literally shaking this bad that it just dribbles all down my shirt. And my dad's like, what's wrong? Are you shaking? Are you scared? Pussy. Pussy. Yeah, because in ASL, they couldn't figure out, like, oh, a little dainty flower that a little bud and a bee comes in and steal you. No, it's like, fucking horse pussy. I'm a fucking pussy. So I'm a pussy. Yes, I'm a pussy. Yes, I'm shaking. Yes, I'm scared. And, you know, I am actually also free. Uh, so I'm going to leave. And good luck with that strip search. But I'm getting the F out of D. So I'm like, bye, Dad, got to go. You know, and, and I like speed walk across the parking lot because you don't want to run. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, who here? Uh, so again, I'm like speed walking through. And I get in the car. My husband had been sitting in there. And he was like reading the newspaper. And he's like, hey, hey baby, I was a visitor. I'm like, get the fuck out of this car. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we speed, speed out of the uh, prison. And we get home uh, to, back to New York. And we don't, you know, like, because my dad's deaf, we can't just call each other up on the phone. Texas, yeah, it's complicated. But essentially, I just had to wait for a letter to see what the fuck happened with the, the gum. And so I get a letter a couple weeks later. It says, surprise, I still have the gum. I sold some, and I kept some for myself, and then I paid off some debt. Because he has debt in prison. He, he loves football, not very good at gambling at it. So uh, he says, okay, so I had a nice time uh, uh, visiting with you, and then the next time you come and see me, I want you to sneak in a Dairy Queen cheeseburger. <laughs> okay, where am I going to hide that? Ha <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. That was Cambry Cruz. Cambry is the owner of QED, which is this very cool space in Astoria that's an after school for grown-ups. So you can go there and learn how to juggle or do knitting or you see all kinds of cool comedy shows. You can have your birthday there. Super cool. Um, she's also the author of Burn Down the Ground, which I mentioned before is truly one of my very favorite memoirs. And you can find Cambry on Twitter at... Cambry. That's K-A-M-B-R-I. Next up is a little song I wrote for this season. This was recorded live last year at one of the best nights of my life when I performed at the Kennedy Center. We've got so much going on this time of year. We've got Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and so many things happening, office parties and whatever. Um, but for some reason, this special day gets overlooked over and over and over again, so I wrote a song about it. The holidays are here, Santa's on his way. All the world's a flutter for Jesus Christ's birthday. 
I'd really like to care, but each year I get dissed. Bad enough I'm Jewish. My birthday is December 26. slash birthday gift mom that's not very nice you only shop on my birthday so you can get my gifts half price why are all my presents wrapped in red and green and why do all my birthday cards have a freaking manger scene oh combo gifts a combo meal how is that supposed to make me feel when you're born the day after Christmas, you're a two-for-one schlemiel. Partying for two days straight really can be fun. But my friends always shoot their wad on God's alleged son. Returning gifts on Boxing Day must be such a chore. Cause my friends give me the lousy crap that they got the day before. A chia head, bacon spread, the greatest hits of right said Fred. I'm too sexy for the song. When you're born the day after Christmas, you wish Mary had just given head. As a child, I blew out candles on fruitcake once or twice. And on my sweet 16, I was cock-blocked by Christ. When I turned 21, I tried to raise a glass, but all the bars were closed for a goddamn midnight mass. Oh, shopping malls, manger stalls, joy to the world and deck the halls. When you're born the day after Christmas, you want to deck JC's balls. And to make things worse, my birthday's on Kwanzaa. Nothing rhymes with Kwanzaa, except Lufthansa. Listen up, you lovebirds, before you make a fetus. Please take my sage advice. Hear me now, I'll say it twice. Unless you want your kid to pay the price. Don't have sex in March. No! Sex in March, sex in March. Watch college hoops instead. Wait till April Fool's Day. And then thine legs be spread. Happy birthday. That song is called Jesus Steals My Thunder, and it turns out Jesus also steals Alex's thunder. Thunder stealer. What was your I, worst well, holiday? Or sorry, your worst, worst birthday per- gift, Alex. I, I well, and I, let's just I, state when your birthday is. My so my birthday is December twentieth. Tomorrow. 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 Um, and I don't, I don't think I have a worst birthday gift either. Um, my my parents were pretty good about like I would often get a combined birthday Christmas gift, mm-hmm. but it would be 
like really badass. Whatever oh, it was, good. yeah, yeah. There were a lot of them where like they would do that, but it would be it would be worth it. But I did have a birthday party that was, um, it wasn't. It ended up being good, but but what had happened? I was really young. I was like ten, mm-hmm. and um, it was a day or two before my birthday, and I was like, Mom, like. Am I having a birthday party? Are we doing a birthday party? She's like, I mean, if if you want to do one, and I, right, exactly. I I was devastated. I was like, what? What, what do you 10. mean? I'm yeah. I'm ten. What do you mean if I want to do one? So I like, I'm like, well, can we go to? There's a roller rink. Awesome. I and I was like, well, can we go to Skate City? And she's like, yeah, if you want to go to Skate City, like, I guess you could do that. And <laughs> what? It's, I'm turning 10. Yeah, you're like, I'm your favorite son. <laughs> so I get on the phone and I'm calling up, like, my, my like, five or six closest friends. Like, hey, uh, do you want to come to my birthday party tomorrow? Uh-huh. <laughs> so sad. Trying to arrange my own birthday Aww. party as a, in the last few hours of my ninth year of life and mm-hmm. <laughs> so i pull it off I, I managed to get like three of them to come and uh so we go to the rink that day and it was fun but um you know i, I figured like no one really brought anything it was last minute i get yeah, it i understand and the next day uh my best friend came over and uh uh we were like going to get dinner or something mm-hmm well, it turned out that they had planned this whole secret party for me mm-hmm. for the following day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, like, as I put it together, my mom was like, it was so pathetic watching you try to put together your oh. own birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, like, the parents of my friends were calling her like, what's going on right. here? Right. It's a double party. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. But it ended up being great. It ended up being a total blast. We went to Dave & Buster's. Oh. And it was, like, brand new. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's exciting. Yeah. Fun. So that's your best one. Would you say it's your best uh, one? That was, that was the one that I, like, I remember as being funny because I, I just remember my mom saying, like, it was pathetic watching you put yeah. it together your own birthday party. Aww. <laughs> well, what nine-year-old puts <laughs> right, their own exactly. birthday party together? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know any. This one. Yeah, right. This, one. this guy. <laughs> she taught you early on to be, yeah. uh, to learn how to take initiative. If you want it, go get it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember a few years ago, this is pretty funny. Um, you know, obviously I make ice cream cakes and we've always done that. So we'll do like something on Christmas Eve or we used to do something on Christmas Eve. Then we would do something Christmas Day, which was usually at my parents' house. And then it's my birthday. And a few years ago, my mom said very half-heartedly, do you want an ice cream cake for your birthday? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I'm like, no, it's all right. Because I know she's planning, like, she's making a meal for Christmas Eve. She's making meals. And everybody chips in, but, like, she's sort of doing a lot of the heavy lifting on that. I was like, no, it's all right. You know, um, if you just want to get a couple of pints of Ben and Jerry's, that'll be fine. And she's like, oh, good, because, you know, I I really need to clean out the freezer. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I always, like, complain that I'm getting overlooked because of... You know, Christmas and the holidays, but not because my mom has to clean out the the freezer. freezer. (laughs) I thought I was like, oh, thanks, mom. (laughs) Thanks a lot. 
Our next story comes from one of my very favorite storytellers, Andy Christie. This is his story of what happens when you don't check your mail. Give you a minute to lower your expectations. (laughs) (laughs) So this is... um, no, a few years ago, I was driving up Amsterdam Avenue on the way to a, a, a business meeting with a brand new client, and I wasn't looking forward to it um, because business meetings, any kind of meetings, are like not in my comfort zone. You know, um, as a matter of fact, it, it, it's so small that the the word zone is like a wild exaggeration. <laughs> uh, even comfort is like a, a big stretch because uh, I get kind of awkward. You know, at at meetings, um, I am a little. They scare me a little. You know, well, isn't that a big, like, a little bit like, probably the way you feel about, like, you know, like getting shot in the face. <laughs> <laughs> so I wind up being uh, kind of overly formal, you know, kind of like actually, like, like bowing a little bit when I, when, <laughs> when I shake their hand, or overly familiar, like asking questions about their wives and children in a way that really could come across as kind of predatory sounding. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and this is a lunch meeting. You know, and I don't know about you, but um, I don't eat all that like normal when people are watching me. Um, <laughs> I probably look like I'm like I'm just learning. Um, and all of my all of my concentration is so focused on like not sticking a fork in my eye that um, I probably have walked away from from meetings having just the vaguest idea of who that guy was and and and, and what he meant. You know. Uh, so that's what I'm, these are kind of the variables that are going through my head on the way to this meeting, uh, driving me up Amsterdam Avenue when, I, when my cell phone rings. And uh, it's the client uh, telling me that he's, he's running late, which is good news and is bad news because if he gets there late, it means it's going to be a shorter meeting. Um, but it's also, also bad news because uh, then he won't know that like, I was on time. Uh, and really, punctuality is all I have going for me. <laughs> so I, uh, <laughs> I tell him I can no sweat. Okay, fine, I'll see you when you get there. And I uh, hang up. My phone, like, instant as quick as I can because I don't want to be one of those assholes that's always, like, talking on his cell phone while he's driving his car. And besides, it's illegal. Which is why, like, 10 seconds later, I'm pulled over on the corner of 73rd Street and Amsterdam Avenue. And uh, there's a cop behind me, you know, punching my, my license and registration into the computer in, in his squad car. And a second later, a second squad car kind of screeches to a diagonal halt right in front of my bumper, almost touching my bumper, almost like he's trying to block my escape, you know? And the first cop comes back to my window, he taps on the window, and he says, uh, out of the car, sir. And I get out of the car, and he turns me around and folds me over the roof of my car, and he cuffs me. And then he takes me in that sort of like crab sideways, <laughs> like shuffling walk back over to the squad car, and he folds me into it, doing that hand on the head thing like in TV. And he slams the back door, and he gets into the front seat and slams his... Uh, his door, and he, uh, I look through the bulletproof you know, divider between the seats, and I see a third cop driving my car away. Oh my see, is why I hate meetings. <laughs> you know, so far it's not going well at all. So I ask him what's going on. He says, well, he stopped me um, for talking on a phone while I was operating a moving vehicle, but then when he like, checked his little computer, he, he, now I'm under arrest because I have been driving with a suspended license for the last three years because I never paid a $100 ticket uh, back in like 2009 or something. He said, you must have gotten the reminder in the mail and the suspension notice you know, and, and the arrest warrant. Um, I must have, you know, but at the time, 
I wasn't like looking at a lot of my mail. Um, you know, you open some of those envelopes, you know what kind of wheels you're gonna start turning. <laughs> so I asked him, what was this ticket? You know, three, four years ago that I got that I never paid. Um, what was it for? And he went back to his computer and he kind of giggled a little bit. And he said it was for um, speaking on a cell phone while you were operating <laughs> a moving vehicle, which is how I found out, like, I am that asshole, you know. Uh, so by this time, everyone in New York who is not under arrest is on the corner of 73rd Street and Amsterdam <laughs> Avenue. Uh, everybody, my client, um, <laughs> if you weren't running late, you would be there. Um, and I kind of remember myself being part of that crowd you know, looking into, into, into the backseat of the cop car, the guy in the handcuffs, wondering who he murdered. And I want to scream out, you know, I'm not a criminal. I'm disorganized. <laughs> okay? And we take off. We head for the, for the precinct, up on 101st Street or something. And we get to the parking lot of the precinct, and before we go inside, the cop asks me if I'm carrying. And he says it in that kind of conspiratorial way that your accountant says, do you have any more deductions? <laughs> you know, like there's, like there's some subtext there. Um, but I know he means drugs. And I have kind of an instant sort of irrational fear that I have not changed my genes since 1969. <laughs> uh, but I'm clean. I'm clean. I think that's what perps say. I'm clean. And um, we go into the precinct. The first thing they do is they make me empty my pockets and they take all of my stuff, all the junk that's in there, my keys and change and everything. He puts it in a manila envelope. And then he takes my shoelaces and my belt. And I want to say, really? Really, you do that? You take shoelaces and belts? But I don't want to be like overly familiar with this guy. I want to be like the best perp he has, he has ever had. <laughs> and then he gives me a chance to make my call, which I am able to do on the cell phone that I have. And uh, my one call, I decide to call the client. Um, it's really the responsible thing to do. And um, so I call and I get his voicemail. And I don't know about you, uh, but you ever got like, you know, like stage fright when you're not prepared to leave a voice message for someone? Um, so I want to keep it sort of light. <laughs> and I say, <laughs> I say something like, like, guess where I am? <laughs> and then explain it in the vaguest possible terms. You know, can't make the meeting. Uh, and I laugh. And I give the cop, you know, my arresting officer, my detective, I give him my phone. And then he says, uh, I will eventually have to go downtown to Central Booking, um, uh, the tombs, they call it, right? And um, he said, but I have to wait here until there's a car, a car available to drive me down there. And he gives me a choice. He said, you can, you can wait here in this, and like in, in, in the, like the Barney Miller part of the precinct, <laughs> there's, there's um, like a plexiglass cube that looks like it's from like 2030. Um, in there, and he says, you can stay there or you can stay inside. And I look at the, uh, the drunk who's inside the plexiglass cube who was like, facing me and, and, and laughing and peeing on the inside of the glass. <laughs> so I decide, you know, I'll take the inside. I'll take like, sounds like a private, private room. Inside, turns out inside is behind a big like, steel clanky door. And in there is a corridor with a kind of industrial sort of shiny cinder block walls and it is lined with six uh, cells with bars, and all the cells have little slots for sliding food through, uh, which reminds me I'm supposed to be at a lunch meeting right now. <laughs> <coughs> They're all empty, and so he gives me a choice. What do you want? So I pick my favorite, and I, you know, 
I, uh, I go in, and uh, almost instantaneously, I, I, I notice that the, the, the single light bulb that's hanging in the corridor outside the cells is casting parallel prison bar shadows across my chest, you know, like in an Alfred Hitchcock movie or something. Um, and I start wondering, I don't know, like, I don't know how, what, like, when do you start doing those hash marks on the wall? Is it like, so once a year or like every five minutes? I'm not sure, but I want to, I want to start them. But, uh, but within a couple of minutes, I catch a reflection of myself in one of those kind of fisheye, you know, surveillance kind of mirrors they have in supermarkets. And I see that I'm against the bars, my face is like between two of the bars, and my arms are through the bars holding each other uh, like that, because that's what you do when you're in prison. And, um, and I stay like that for like uh, four hours until they get somebody to, to drive me downtown. And they do, when we get, they get me downtown, they put me in another cell, and um, this one is much bigger though. There were like 25 or 30 guys uh, in there. It's called the bullpen, and they're like, six or seven of these uh, cells, all kind of just separated by bars. And um, one of the guys in there uh, is kind of bragging about the fact that he's there because he beat the shit out of his dry cleaner for ruining his favorite shirt. Um, starting to get nervous, you know? Starting to get nervous a little bit. And, um, and I noticed that the, 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 the cell is like littered with little Ziploc bags with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in them, like all over the place, like confetti. Um, one of the guards told me they used to use bologna sandwiches, but apparently, <laughs> apparently some of the vegetarian perps were complaining. <laughs> so they switched over to uh, uh, peanut butter and jelly. And, uh, and I see one of the guys there is, is actually dealing drugs using these things, like in the cell. He'll pick up a bag, put some joints in it, there's a little crack file in it, boom, give it to another guy. The other guy picks up a bag, puts some money in it, and they, they trade it. Like, are you hungry? You want to trade? How's your sandwich? That, they're dealing drugs. And he's looking at me like, what? What? Because I'm staring at him. Uh, and I wonder, like, how did he even get that shit in here? You know, it's like they took my Listerine strips, you know? <laughs> and it's Friday night. Um, apparently, I have to see a judge that night before I can go anywhere. Uh, it's Friday night. Apparently, judges do not work on the weekends. They stop working at midnight on Friday. So if I don't get this thing done in the next couple of hours, I'm going to spend uh, the weekend uh, with these guys, um, which makes me kind of want to cry, you know. Um, but uh, I know that's going to make me their bitch. You know, I've I've seen Oz. <laughs> but then I kind of remember that you know, kind of how old and out of shape I am. I'm not young and beautiful. Uh, that kind of makes me want to cry, you know, again. Uh, even though for the first time in my life I'm happy that I'm not, not that way. <laughs> so I'm just kind of there, kind of sort of like huddled. I'm, not, I'm, I'm you know, kind of holding my own, but I'm huddled in the corner a little bit, just listening to everyone else, essentially having like a great time. They've all seen each other here before. It's like, the, you know, it's like their, their, their summer share. They're, and they're telling jokes, they're telling stories about relationships, which I <laughs> went right over my head. Um, and you know, fancy kind of handshakes and everything. Just it's like a party. It's like a party until this one guy stands up. He's a giant, and uh, he's wearing a hat. Um, they let him have his hat. Apparently, you can't hang yourself with a hat. I don't know. And it's not a baseball cap. It's like a fedora. And he stands up. And as soon as he stands up, everyone else just quiets down and starts listening. And he begins talking. Uh, kind of, he's like Yoda, sort of. He's like lecturing. <laughs> and uh, little points about you know life in the system. And he says, uh, he says, if you ever leave any of your own blood at a crime scene, he says it 
as if it's obvious <laughs> that someone else's blood will already be there, you know? But if you leave, or leave any of your own blood at a crime scene, that a couple of drops of ammonia will destroy any DNA evidence. And he says, that's why I always carry a small vial of ammonia. <laughs> always carry a small vial of ammonia wherever I go. And um, so you don't get in the system. And like everyone like totally agrees. Excellent, I mean, I even do, it's not, that's like the way to go. It's like, to it totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. I mean, these people, if they, if they, if they had like, you know, <laughs> if you were allowed to have pencils in there, they would have been taking notes, right? And then he kind of opens up the, the floor uh, to questions. And um, one, guy, one guy raises his hand. We actually had to take turns raising our hand. Raises his hand. And he comes up with this kind of scheme he had that involved uh, counterfeit uh, student metro cards. And as I'm listening to it, I realize it's really put together from this just kind of baroque, just wildly inaccurate math. And so I raise my hand. Uh, to point out this doesn't make sense, and I get up. He says, yes, he, he recognizes me, and I get up, and I, uh, I say, you know, it's like you know, the whole risk-reward uh, algorithm just doesn't work out. It's not going to work. A giant says, exactly, and he gives me a high five. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm like, in, you know? I am in, and they all kind of, and it dawns on me, we're taking a meeting. <laughs> and I'm fucking nailing it, you know? I got it. So, so before he wraps, he, before he wraps up, he, he does a quick little. He, he runs through some bullet points about life in the system. Maybe that's where the frame, the phrase uh, came from. The bullet points. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. But then we kind of break up into smaller discussion groups. And, um, and while that's happening, we, we, we kind of wind up talking to each other and he asks me what I'm, what I'm in for. And, um, and again, I want to say, like, really? You, we ask each other that? Uh, but I kind of don't want him to know this is my first time. Um, but I say, suspended license. He said, me too, bullshit charge. <laughs> We're totally friends now. Um, so eventually... Um, we do get to see a judge um, just before midnight. And uh, the giant uh, sees the judge before me and I'm sitting in a little chair like in, in the kind of courtroom area. And I find out that uh, he was not lying, that he was in there for driving with his suspended uh, license uh, while on patrol after being arrested for assaulting his father in a convalescence home during a drug dispute. <laughs> Bullshit charge. <laughs> Eventually I see the judge and he reduces uh, my thing from a misdemeanor to a moving violation, which totally is like totally disappointing. Like anybody can get a ticket. I'm a little disappointed by that. But they let me go. I leave uh, back out in the streets at about uh, 2 a.m. And I walk to the subway, you know, crossing at the green. And uh, the next morning I call the client back and I reschedule because uh, I am now like ready for his bullshit meeting. <laughs> That's my story. That was Andy Christie. Andy is the host and creator of The Liar Show. I love the show so, so much. It's a great storytelling show. It features four comedic storytellers, and one of them is lying, and the audience gets to interrogate them. 
And if you get it right, you win a prize. The Liar Show's next show is actually on New Year's Eve. It's at 6 p.m. at the Cornelia Street Cafe. And you can get ticket information at theliarshow.com or liarshow.com. Next up is Jason Biggs. Isn't it appropriate that as we do our incarceration episode, there's a siren in the background? (laughs) Totally. I was like, do we need to stop? That's hilarious. (laughs) Next up is Jason Biggs. We're going to be featuring his really unbelievable story uh, sometime next year, but we wanted to give you a little taste of what Jason did the other night. Uh, We had him on our show and had him play a little Yiddish quiz we called Goy to the World, followed by the spelling Maccabee. First of all, do you know what gay cock and offenyam means? Sorry? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what gay cock and offenyam means? No. It's Yiddish. it's something like you would say it's very offensive, and it means go shit in the ocean. Oh. Yeah. So if you were like really mad at somebody, you'd be like, get cocking. Wow. Can you say it? Get cocking. Yeah. And how do you think you spell it? Oh, Jesus. Does anyone know how to spell it? What? Yeah, the really? resident Gentile here knows how to spell it. Get cocking? Is it like G-E-Y? Surprisingly, no. It's G-A-Y? Yeah. Who knew? Cockin, C-O-C-K. So close. So close. It's K-A-C-H-E-N. Close enough. K-O-C-K-E-N. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Gay cockin? Gay cockin. Now... Is that does that mean go shit and then the rest is the ocean? Yeah, I think so. Often yam. Often yam is the ocean. Yeah, sure. What do you think, Mindy Cohen? Yeah. <laughs> I, f- I feel like a shit in a pool would be way more offensive. Totally. But maybe back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. when they when the yids did this, mm-hmm. they didn't have pools. Right. They're like, I'm gonna really stick it yeah. to them. Go shit in the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> Like very something nice. like that. Very nice. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, well done. Let me give you a Hanukkah gel. Thank you. Thank you so much for telling us your story. Yay, cockin'. So, Alex, as you know, we are going to be taking a little hiatus from the live show because we're going to be cranking out more episodes, more episodes. of the podcast. We'll have we'll have ten by March. That's that's that'd be awesome. We're don't, on a don't roll. Hold, don't hold us to that. <laughs> <laughs> but we have a lot of fun doing this, and I'm so glad you were on this with me today, and we're going to have Alex on more episodes. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We won't have a live show until April, <clears throat> so but we've got plenty of content for you guys to consume in your butt. <laughs> <laughs> we just learned about butt chugging. <laughs> we're very disturbed by this. Um, no, you can consume it with your eyes and ears on our YouTube channel at Yum's Word Show and on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud at Yum's Word Show. And then for details on our next live show, join our mailing list, which you can find on our website, yumsthewordshow.com. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy, Happy New holidays. Year. Happy New Year. Happy birthday, Alex. Happy birthday, Robin. Thank you. The stories you just heard were recorded live at Le Poisson Rouge in New York City. The podcast is produced by me, Robin Gelfenbein, and Alex Fulton. And the theme song is by Mark Radcliffe. 
Special thanks to Vince Fairchild, Michael Cedar, Danny Ortiz, Megan Deneen, and Ray Foley. I'm Robin Gelfenbein. Thanks for listening, and until next time. No. Get cocking. No, don't. <laughs> Here comes the world.